Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, hello, and here we are once again with another episode of Women in Electronics Leader in Highlight radio program. So I'm so thrilled today to have with me a guest uh, from Australia <laughs> who's joining us, uh, Philip Stoughton from Scoop. He is the founder and managing partner. Thank you for joining us, Philip. Absolute pleasure. Great to be here with you, Jackie. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I appreciate that you are here. Um, so, Philip, um, before we get started, uh, maybe some people don't know um, what Scoop is. What are you doing in the industry? Um, can you explain what you're doing in the industry? Yeah, I mean, Scoop has various different elements to it. The uh, the, the best known element, I guess, is the marketing communications service we provide, which is all based around content. We're very focused on uh, providing content for various different people, various different industry players. We write a lot of um, content ourselves. We bring people together for different content pieces. As you know, we do uh, webcasts, video interviews, podcasts. You've appeared on one of my podcasts, so it's nice to Nice to switch the tables around uh, occasionally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and we ghostwrite for various different people. So um, executives, we write company blogs, we write all kinds of different uh, different material, produce testimonial videos, uh, that kind of stuff. We also have a strategy team. So we help people define their message to market, but alongside their whole their whole go-to-market business model planning. We do some M and A work in the background. Um, so it's a pretty it's a pretty broad offer, and it comes from my background in the electronics industry. I started as a PCB designer um, many many years ago. Um, spent fifteen plus years in the industry. Ended up as production director of a UK PLC, uh, and then switched to journalism. Um, and that's where the journey took me to Scoop. Wow. Okay. So that's um, not something you hear very much. Were you an engineering background? Yeah, I was. I did electronic, uh, electronic and electrical engineering at, at, at college. So that was that was my major. Um, and yeah, I went straight into printed circuit board design and went through various different various different roles in um, in manufacturing, and then just kind of had a. I don't know, a eureka moment. At one point, I was very heavily involved in the printed circuit board industry in the UK and decided for some reason, best known to myself at the time, but I decided to launch a magazine into that industry. Um, and that was a bit of a home run because three years later, that was uh, acquired by a large group of newspapers in the UK. Um, so that was that was fun. Uh, I had a couple of years where I was on a restricted covenant, so couldn't couldn't write. So I ran a trade show in the UK. So got more and more involved in the marketing side. Um, and then started another publication in 2002, which is EMS now, which I'm still the majority shareholder of. Um, but from there, quickly realized, I guess, that customers 
had an idea of what they wanted to do in terms of generating content and using that as a wrapper for their marketing message, um, but maybe didn't have the internal horsepower to do it. All the executives that wanted to write and had great ideas just had too much to do running the business um, and didn't like the idea of being faced with a blank sheet of paper to to write a blog or an article um, and quickly realized that we were able to help with that with with the combination of um, some writing skill and some industry knowledge. That's pretty amazing because it really is a big gap in the industry, um, the marketing uh, part of things and, and also having somebody technical <laughs> who mm. knows the industry. It's a very sophisticated channel. People don't realize yeah. when you come in the industry, it, it really is a sophisticated channel. You, you kind of have to know how the different parts work together. So uh, that is extremely helpful. Let me just ask you a quick question. Is it mostly technical writing or are you writing more um, about the values and the culture of the organization? Yeah, no, it's much more the latter, actually. I tend to focus more on opinion pieces, uh, trends, what's going on in the, in the industry. You talk about, you mentioned earlier, you know, understanding how the industry works it's really important at the moment to understand why it isn't working in certain cases you know when we look at the shortages we've got in terms of components the shortages where we've got coming through in terms of talent uh, you really need to understand the dynamics of not just the elements of the industry and the value chain but the whole global business model the whole global supply chain because if you don't understand the history it's very difficult to see what's going to happen in the future uh, excellent point and since you brought that up let's talk about that um so i know with your you have a podcast and you've interviewed mm. some amazing guests like you've had a great lineup so, and I know recently you had Lynn Terrell on, who uh, you were talking about supply chain, um, as well as Don Akery and some other guests that I saw uh, on your podcast recently. So let's talk about that. So is this um, podcast a source for you to get this content out into the industry? Like, what is the purpose of that podcast you're doing? Yeah, well, when I look at those things, there are there are vehicles that we use I guess to a certain extent, when we start working with a client, we're looking at where we want to position them and what story we want to tell. And sometimes the vehicle that we want to position them in doesn't exist. And the unique thing about Scoop is we're not afraid of creating that vehicle if we think it's valuable. Um, so when I look at the podcast that we have, like EMS at sea level, what's the Scoop, the, the Made In series, which includes Made in Europe, Made in Asia, um, and Made in Mexico, they they all allow us to bring guests together to network with both clients, prospects, and important people in the industry. Um, and they keep me in touch with what's going on. I get to talk to some fabulous executives, which I enjoy immensely, but it really does allow me to keep my fingers on the pulse of what's happening in the industry. So they're they're valuable in various in various different ways. Some of them have sponsorship, so you know there's a straightforward um, revenue element there. Some of them are really as much about the scoop brand as as anything. We run a regular series called Watch the Scoop, um, which we publish on various different publications. I reach out to probably about fifty execs with a couple of questions. We did one earlier on, on in the year about component shortages, and that was huge. That got picked up by lots of different um, industry publications. And then we tend to spin some of the um, 
some of the video and podcast content from that. So it's kind of a big, a big content machine that that keeps us very connected to what's going on in the industry, but also allows us to invite clients on, get get them mixing with the right people, make some make some valuable connections as well. So yeah, they've been become a hugely significant part of the business and they've been super robust during COVID, of course, because we've shifted away from this trade show thing. So the the idea of uh you know initially we used to do the a scoop studio at big trade shows. So we would we would turn up our Productronica, Electronica, Apex, SMT AI, those those trade shows and we would build a studio and we'd have a pack three days of of interviews and panels to get through. Now we're able to spread them out. We're able to dig a bit deeper and we're able to do them on, on zoom. And I think the content has become more valuable as a result. And certainly the, the downloads and views has gone up substantially. And with, with um, marketeers looking for other ways to get thought leadership out, I think podcasts and, and the um, video versions are becoming more and more important. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, so let me ask you, what is your biggest aha moment from doing your podcast? Like, what's your biggest learning lesson from these guests? I don't know. I think every day is a school day. One of the things that I love about the um, the podcasts and the shows, and, you know, normally, like the one you mentioned with Lynn Terrell and Don Acri, that was absolutely the the best show of that series we've done so far. That was the Eric Miskell show, which is one of the brands of, um, of EMS now. Um, Eric Miskell is a great friend of mine and we've co-paneled a lot of, um, <clears throat> a lot of shows. Um, but that one was absolutely exceptional and just the depth of knowledge. And I like the fact that they're super fluid. So I, I don't know where the conversation is going to go at the beginning. I kind of have my, my view on the questions I want to ask. And I, I love the fact that mm-hmm. I get to ask these people, whatever I, whatever I want and, um, and dig into, dig into different things. And I love the fact that every day is a school day. It literally every one of these, these shows I do, I, I learn something new. And, and sometimes you just have that aha moment where you have an exceptional guest that blows you away. And Lynn was one of those. And recently I interviewed the president and CEO of Enix, which is one of the, one of Europe's largest EMS players, Elka uh, Eckstein. Um, and she was just a wonderful guest. And just the, the vision of what's coming along in the future of um, electronic manufacturing and services and how that relationship with their customers is changing is, is really, really fascinating. So it would be hard to say one aha moment, but I would say most podcasts or most interviews don't don't end without at least one or two occurring um, yeah. each time. That's awesome. Well, it's good to hear you. I, I have a lot of the same experiences as well. I love doing the podcast so much. Having guests like you, I wouldn't have connected with you. Um, so I also wanted to ask you, okay, so speaking of industry, so you've done these podcasts, you have your uh, business, you have a couple things going on. Um, if we look at the industry, uh, we, you know, we just are coming through whatever we want to call it, COVID. It's just going to be a process for a long time now. But um, what is it that you think we need to do going into the future? So we've kind of made it through okay, but there's a lot of areas 
that mm-hmm. um, we are struggling a little bit. And, and what do you think, based on the knowledge from all your different guests, what do you think we need to do different in the industry? Or where, what improvements do you think we need to make to thrive into the future? Yeah, and I think this idea of survive and thrive is really interesting. And it's the theme that's come up when I've talked to um, many CEOs. They're, they're, they're figuring out how they survived, what value they got from that, what the next set of challenges are, and how they can thrive through those um, through those challenges. <clears throat> and it's kind of trying to figure out what they've learned from, from this experience. One of the key messages, I think, is that you've got to design for disruption. And when I say design for disruption, I think that's product, but I also think it's the business models. You know, we had, we talked a lot about the pandemic, but before the pandemic, we had trade wars to deal with. Post-pandemic, we've got this component issue. Um, When I talk to people about shortages, they tell me component shortages are one thing, but talent shortages are coming down the line as well. Um, That's becoming important. And I think when I when I look specifically at the EMS industry, which is probably the the segment of electronics that I've um, covered and studied the most, I think there needs to be quite substantial change in that industry for it to be fit for fit for the um, the twenty twenties. And I think we do have the opportunity to have a roaring twenties um, post pandemic, providing those companies are alert and aware of how they need to change and one of those changes is this kind of shift from shareholder value to stakeholder value i think that's hugely important thinking of themselves much more as a as a as a citizen than a corporate entity um, i think diversity is huge i think accessibility to those companies is is hugely important i see the whole esg portfolio as being more and more important in those businesses, but just the fundamental relationship they have with the OEMs. And just to touch on that, the component shortages have, have really highlighted some challenge in the challenges in those areas. I've talked to some CEOs that that, you know, on the record will say, oh yeah, we're we have great partnerships with our with our customers. They're working with us to solve this problem, um, and quite often, or perhaps most often, that's the case. But there are some issues where OEMs are just saying, "Hey, this is your problem. We expect stuff delivered. You've got penalties if it's not delivered. We don't want to bear the costs of uh, uh, you know of extra work in progress, extra inventory, all that kind of thing." And you end up making a relationship that maybe felt like a partnership become a bit more adversarial. So we need to rethink some of those partnerships. And I think the brands need to be brands and OEMs need to be aware that having a good manufacturing ecosystem that is profitable and is sustainable is hugely valuable to them. You know, trying to take one or two um, percentage points out of the bill of materials every quarter isn't good for the industry and probably isn't good for the consumer as well. Um, And then the last thing I would say, which I think is a big trend is regionalization. I think we're going to see more and more demand for regionalization, partly because supply chains have been damaged. Um, Don on that show we did with uh, Don Ackery from TTI 
um, was really interesting. We talked about the two issues that are playing into the component shortages, one, the actual manufacturing of them, but also the logistics and freight issues. Uh, he felt the balance in manufacturing could be redressed and corrected, but he thought the whole freight and logistics system was really badly broken and he couldn't see how that would be fixed quickly. Um, and when you look at the whole big picture and you reconnect to sustainability and everything else, the idea of using less freight and having shorter supply chains is, is hugely attractive. So some fundamental changes in where things are made, how much importance we put on low-cost labor and those kind of things. I think some of that has to change for the industry to really prosper in the future, which I think it wow. will. Wow. Really a lot there to unpack. That is a lot to unpack. And, and really, I think what we're going to do, because I do have more to talk to you about, but I think we're getting to time for our part one. And we're going to head into a part two because I have a lot more to talk to you about as far as that diverse talent. I'm going to talk to you more about women electronics and some of that disruption conversation we were having. So anyway, thank you for being here for part one, Philip. We will catch thank you, you so next time on part two. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. Thank you. Okay. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.